The reading this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say rejoice. Again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Babs. Now let's just pray for Tim before he brings God's word. Our loving Father, thank you for that word that has been read. And Lord, now as Tim comes to share what you have given him with us, we pray, dear Father, that our hearts will be wide open, that we will listen and that we will hear and that we will do. Lord, help us to expect to hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Well, hello again. So, as we've uh, mentioned, we're continuing today with our theme, Life Matters. Topics relating to everyday issues. And uh, we want to know uh, what help God offers and the difference that having a relationship with him makes to our daily lives. And so, as Chris has mentioned, today we're looking at coping with stress. It's something that none of us can avoid none of us. I'm going to begin with a joke. A duck walks into, I must just say actually that no animals were hurt in the making of this joke. A duck walks into a petrol station and asks the clerk, do you have any apples? And the cashier says, no. And the duck leaves. The next day the duck comes back and asks again, do you have any apples? And the cashier again says, no. And the duck leaves. The day after that, the duck walks into the shop again and asks, do you have any apples? And the cashier, becoming really quite stressed by now, says sternly, no! You've come in here the past two days and asked if we've got any apples. The answer has always been no. If you come back in here again and ask for apples, I'm going to nail your web feet to the floor. The duck leaves, only to return the following day. And the duck asks, do you have any nails? And the cashier replies, no. And the duck says, good. What about apples? <laughs> How quickly irritation can turn to stress. Stress. Oh, it's an ever-present feature of life, of society, work life, family life, relationships. It can seep 
into every corner of our existence. And when your cup is already full of stress, it only takes one more drop before it all comes spilling over in harsh words, a rant, a slammed door, a good cry, or a kicked cat. Living with stress can be like coping with an illness. It affects our physical health. It affects our mental health, our emotional state, and of course, our spiritual health. And so let's just take a moment to think about the ways in which you and I are living with stress at the moment. We all live with stress in one form or another. What is it for you? Is it work-related? Is it family-related? Relationship-related? Is it health-related? Did you know that what you believe can also cause you stress? If you get frustrated by others who don't live by the same values as you. And I've seen that happen in church life rather a lot, as you can imagine. Is it that that's causing you stress? Or is it a mixture of some or all of those things? Some of us may be living with a great deal of stress, <clears throat> and others much less. But it's there. It really is there. So we have to live with it. But how can we cope with stress? Well, the famous early Christian missionary and writer Paul lived with a considerable amount of stress. Just because he was a great man of God didn't mean that he didn't have to endure all sorts of stress-inducing struggles and difficulties. And when you read what he had to go through at times, I bet his blood pressure was through the roof. And yet he got through them. And he says that he got through them with God's help, thanks to a relationship with God. Paul managed to cope with stress. But how? What was it about his relationship with God that enabled him to cope with stress in a positive way? What help did he receive? And what difference did it make? Well, fortunately for us, there are clues in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, which Babs read just a snippet of a few minutes ago. In chapter 4, verses 7 and 9, and you can look at these, Paul reminds his first readers, and us too, of a promise. And this is a very, very important promise. That the peace of God will be with us in life. That the peace of God will be with us in life. Now that, to me, is about as good a promise as you could ever hope for. The peace of God will be with us. But this promise, it requires effort on our part. If inner tranquility promised by God is to be enjoyed and then its positive influence shared with other people, then there are certain steps that need to be taken by each of us. So what are the steps? Well, firstly, Paul tells us in verse 4 to rejoice in the Lord always because he's near. Rejoice in the Lord always. We can't hope, we cannot possibly hope to have the peace of God 
unless we give the first and the best place in our lives to the one who is peace. To the one who is peace, Jesus Christ. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. That's what the promise of God depends on, is putting our trust and our hope, the first and best place in our lives, given over to the one who is peace. Do you and I want the peace of God which passes all understanding? I know I do. Because if so, then we need to know that friendship with Jesus that causes us to celebrate in every bit of life. Rejoice in the Lord. Secondly, Paul tells us in verse 6 to pray in everything. In everything. To talk to God. To receive from God in every bit of life. Now this is the remedy for anxiety. Trusting in God. So what anxiety are you dealing with? Paul encourages us all to trust in God. To bring our worries to him through prayer. He wants to receive them. He wants us to, to bring them to him. He wants us to come just as we are into his presence so that those worries can come all the way to God. Thirdly then, Paul encourages us to think about certain things. And he does this from verse 8 onwards. But Paul means much more than keeping particular things in mind. He doesn't just mean uh, mind over matter or think your way into um, a positive uh, mentality or mindset. He means more like set your mind on, on achieving something. So, for example, if we were to set, up, set off to go and walk a mountain or walk up a mountain together, we'd have to set our mind on getting to the top. So there's a certain mentality required, but then there's action on top of that required, isn't there? One step in front of another, a great deal of perseverance, not looking down possibly, you know, all of that, and just keeping on going. And this is the sort of thing Paul means here. It doesn't just mean think your way into a, into a better state. He's meaning set your mind on something and then let your actions follow. It's a very important bit of advice. So he means take things into account. Reflect on them, chew on them, and then allow them to shape the way you live. Allow them then to help you to press on in your living. Throughout life, and especially under stress, our minds will focus on something. You've probably noticed this. Often it's difficult under stress to break the cycle of what you're thinking about. Whether it was those words that were said to you, or something that was done to you, or, or something that you know you've got to do and you're absolutely worried sick about it. You know, it's all of those things. You can't get your mind off it. It's so difficult. So Paul wants us to focus on good things. Things that will help, not things that will hinder. Things to lift us out of our irritation, our frustration, and our anxiety. He wants us to focus on and engage with the fine things in life. To be on the lookout for positive signs, hints of good, glimmers of hope. And in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 4, 
He gives us a list of the sort of things that it can be. All that's worthy of comment and praise in daily life. And let's go through these. This will take a little bit more time, but it, it's, it's good to just look at and flag up each of these things that Paul says that we're to focus on, set our minds on, so that it'll shape the way that we live. So firstly, he says, engage with, focus on, um, set your minds on whatever is true. Many things in life promise things that can't be delivered. You've probably noticed. You only have to look at advertising to see that all sorts of products are sold on the basis that they're going to make a successful, wealthy, irresistible, or content. But it's just not true. These are hollow promises, leaving us always wanting more. And so Paul encourages us to look to the things that will not let us down. Set your mind on the things that will not let you down. On the promises of God. The lasting, far-reaching promises of God. Secondly, he says, set your minds on whatever is noble and dignified. There are responses to stress that can seem very attractive. But they turn out to be cheap and ineffective. Paul calls us here to seek out honourable people and to aim for honourable actions ourselves. It's quite a challenge, isn't it, in the face of stress? Well, what comes next? Well, he says, set your minds on whatever is right. Some people focus on comfort and the easiest way through life or a situation. But Paul argues that it's by doing what's right and just by other people that will ultimately give us God's peace. Now I think this is a really difficult one. Because in the face of stress, to act in a right or just way is always a challenge. Well, it is for me. But it will give us peace that just won't be there if we act in any other way. It will give us the peace of God. Fourthly, Paul says, set your mind on whatever is pure. Paul means here anything that's fit to be brought into the presence of God. Things that we'd be proud to show him. Not things that we'd want to hide from God. So it's those actions that we really want to show to God. That we can do, that we can manage. That in the face of this situation or, or, or stress that we're dealing with that we can manage to do things in a way that God will be pleased with. That we won't need to hide our face in shame or feel that we need to. That we can aim for better actions and better words. Fifthly, Paul says next that we are to set our minds on whatever is lovely. Now this is anything that brings about love. Anything that sparks love or encourages love to uh, take wings and fly, if you like. Those actions that really have a lovely influence. Under stress, it's easy to bring about bitterness and anger and revenge and resentment. But here Paul challenges us to bring about kindness, patience, sympathy and forgiveness. Because these bring about love. Number six on the list. Paul says... 
to focus on whatever is admirable. Here Paul means whatever has a good name or reputation. And it's much more associated with what is spoken, the words that we use, the need to speak well. Under stress it's very easy, as well I know, to speak badly, to insult, curse, swear, badmouth or criticise. But Paul is challenging us all to use better words. Words that heal, that don't harm. Words that soothe and don't cause further pain. Because he knows that bad words cause more stress in the long run. And we know that, don't we? Bad words, badly chosen words, always cause more stress. It's an undeniable fact of life. And finally, number seven on the list, Paul concludes by instructing us to focus on whatever is excellent or worthy of praise. The fine things in life, the skills, the qualities, the characteristics, the things that make people stand out for all the right reasons and to be praised by others. Really, we don't have to look very far most of the time. I just made a list just this week because I knew I was going to preach and this was one of the things I was going to mention. And so I made a long list and this is the one I chose to repeat to you. Just last week, David Beckham announced that he's giving his salary from his new contract to charity. Now, he may be filthy rich, but he didn't need to do that. Often the more money we have, the more difficult it is to part with it. But not for David Beckham. Interestingly, this week, a friend of ours was crossing the road in London. And a kind man, in a gleaming Bentley, stopped to let her cross the road. And she wrote on Facebook, Thank you, Mr. Beckham. So we've got the good things in life. We don't have to look very far. And Paul says, don't forget to look. Don't forget to spot these things. Because under stress, or when things get on top of us, we get preoccupied with what we're facing in our own lives. We get focused, we get inward looking, and we can't see the wood for the trees. So look a bit further afield, he says. Look for the finer things in life, where there's excellence, where there's good quality, where there's glimmers of hope, signs of, of goodness going on. And there's the peace of God to be found there. And so we have the good things to focus on, the things that will impact our lives for good. But why does Paul give us a list like this? Why? Well, I think it's for one simple reason. If the devil and all evil are associated with the bad things of the world, then God is associated with all that is good. So what unhelpful things is your stress causing you to focus on? Unkind things towards your work colleagues? Frustrated thoughts about your family? Is it anger? Impatience? Hate? Not being able to forgive? I know what it is for me. Does your stress cause you to focus on things that on the surface offer an escape and yet potentially bring more harm? We can become almost fixated or addicted to some things under stress. 
But Paul calls our attention away from all of these things to look to those things that are associated with God and life and peace. And sometimes we need the help of others to do this. That's where the support of the church community comes into play. We can pray for one another and be there for one another. Maybe we should look to do this more often. How many of us come in here on a Sunday? We take our seat, we take what we want out of the worship, and then we leave. What have we given? What have we done for other people? How have we eased their stress and the burden they're carrying? And how have they done it for you? Just this week, Kate and I were reminded of the importance of this, when after a particularly stressful few days, friends within our church noticed, and they insisted on praying for us. It meant such a lot, and it changed things, just as Paul promised that it will. As our friends focused on the signs of God's goodness at work in our lives through the prayers that they were making, Things changed. The peace of God was with us. The stress hasn't been removed, but God's peace is there. And it makes such a difference. And that's why they prayed for us. And that's why we pray for one another. This is God's promise to us all, not just Kate and me. No matter who we are, what we've done, and what we're going through. God's love in Jesus Christ is far-reaching. So to finish, the peace of God will be with us when we follow Paul's suggested steps, when we build a friendship with Jesus, the one who is peace, and when we give him the best and the first place in our lives, when we trust God with all our worries, and when we focus on the things in life that will impact our lives for good, when we set our mind on those things. Whatever stress you're facing, I encourage us all to follow these steps outlined by Paul. Time and time again, he found them to work. They made a huge difference to his life. And so much so that in verse uh, 9 of chapter 4, he encourages us all to do one further thing, to follow his example so that God's peace will be with us, guarding our hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Amen.